is Digital Marketer. This week, it's John Moran and Kasim Aslan. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and I'm sure none of you are strangers to a marketing funnel, right? Well, today, we're flipping the traditional marketing funnel on its head. I talked with Kasim Aslam, founder and CEO of Solutions 8, a Google Ads agency, along with his chief strategist, John Moran, and they walked me step-by-step through what they call the top-down funnel and how they use Google Ads to test offers and avatars and copy and everything in between backwards. There is so much smart stuff in this episode, and frankly, my mind is still reeling a little bit. Here it is. Thanks for having us on, Jen. I don't know if I thanked you enough, but we're yeah. excited, so appreciate of it. Of course. Well, yeah. John, what do you do with uh, the company? So I'm part owner with Cossum, but I'm also the company's chief strategist. So since we are a Google Ads agency, uh, what I focus on is taking a very strategic approach to meeting and exceeding customer goals that they come to us looking to achieve. Mm. We don't do anything cookie cutter. And since we're in every industry you can imagine, it needs a very objective approach to every single client that we take on. You know, you could have a carpet cleaning business or be a naturopathy, or you can be, you know, an e-commerce site. Everyone has kind of a specific goal that they need to achieve. And it's my job to come up with the uh, strategy, get the client to agree to it, execute the strategy, and then grow and scale that into a very lucrative campaign for them. Hmm. Do you feel like having your hands in so many niches is kind of what propelled the top-down strategy, which we will get into, but is that where it kind of started? Yeah, we, we've been you know big fans of Digital Marketer and, and the funnel development for quite some time. And I think one of the kind of breakthroughs that we had is I was not a great funnel development person, but I was really good at Google Ads. And what I found is that when possibly the email campaign wasn't as effective or people weren't downloading the lead magnet or taking advantage of the tripwire as often as we wanted, one thing always worked and worked really well and usually paved the way to restructure the funnel, and that was Google Ads. And so using Google Ads was our way of seeing like how every single industry, there's always someone looking for that product or service, uh, unless you just sell like just you know one shoe that no one's really looking for how just to buy the left shoe. Because you need two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need two. And there's going to be search traffic for those too. And so where Cosmo and I, and mostly me, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, how do I gain their interest? And then what next do I give them to you know have them be interested and take advantage of something or consume something like a lead magnet? I always kind of was just flying blind and, and going in the dark and using my best judgment, but then running Google ads and, you know, driving people that are looking for a shoe to the shoe page, they would buy shoes. And so I was like, okay, well, what if we just started there and started to work our way back and then applying that to different industries, as long as there's traffic for something, which sometimes they're not, sometimes there's a WYSIWYG or something like that, that someone creates that no one knows about. And then that's a whole different story. But if, as long as you have something that people know about, there's going to be search traffic for it, or at least someone that is going to understand what it is. And then it, we just figured out that was kind of the best place to start. It was easily replicated throughout every industry. Hmm. So then let's kind of dig into that top-down funnel. Mm-hmm. And Kasim, do you want to jump in and tell us a little bit about what you do and what your role is on this team? Yeah. John and I own the agency together. I deal a lot with, you know, sort of strategic, big picture, where are we going? How are we getting there? 
and what makes John and I work really well together is the the joke is I make promises and he keeps them. So, so <laughs> we knew that's no problem at all. But you know, luckily I've got a John to go figure it out. And this paradigm, this kind of approach, was something that he really figured out because we were doing really big funnel builds. Mm-hmm. And so much of it was educated guesswork. You know, the client doesn't know. We don't know. Their customers don't know. And I look at it almost as as like a really intense immediate market study. Like you Mm -hmm. can go to the pulse of the collective human psyche because that's really what Google is, right? It's like all of our brains uploaded to the net and you can just download a feed of information and then use that information in order to build your marketing funnel. So it's been pretty effective for us so far. Awesome. Well, before we dive into the structure of building out this top-down funnel, could you kind of take us through the problem that it solves first? Like, what are you kind of solving for here when you do this? Yeah. So I think where it made sense in my mind, and starting with kind of the bottom of the funnel type of traffic first, is we were originally starting from a point of the unknown where like what Qasim says, the educated guesswork. I think people are going to respond to this because I would respond to that. And then half the time you're right, half the time you're wrong. And then he said, okay, well now let's assume I'm right for step one, then step two, let's talk about the lead magnet. I think that if they download this, they were interested in something else. Half the time right, half the time wrong. And we can kind of go through each one of the steps that way. We kind of took a step back and looked at it and said, well, rather than starting from a place of unknown, what if we start from a place of known and proven and repeatable and scalable? We have a, uh, a company that we worked with that would be a business that purchases homes from distressed home sellers. And the best thing to do when you're, when you're marketing for that company on Google Ads is to bid on the keyword and you'll sell my house fast. That's the core offer that they were doing is they would buy the house fast. And that's kind of where that conversion would take place. And so we knew that and we knew, okay, now if someone gets to the point where they say sell my house fast, they will convert, they'll convert 25% of the time. It was, it was insane conversion metrics. And then we said, well, how do I know if I want to sell my house fast? What would I be looking at? Well, maybe something how to do it. And if you can think about, if you're looking to how to sell my house fast and get the answer, then you're like, okay, now I have to sell my house fast because I know I need to take this one step. So that would become like the tripwire, which be, a, you know, schedule a consult and pay X amount of dollars, maybe to speak with someone about how they would need to sell their house. And so we went from the bottom of the funnel, which is that, that conversion, to then the tripwire. And then they say, well, how do they even know if they want to sell their house fast? Well, they might need to know how much the house is worth. And so you're kind of reverse engineering where rather than starting from a, how do I get them to think this way and then take these seven steps? How do I start from the step that we already know they're going to take and will take and will take in perpetuity? And then say, how do I educate them to get to that step? So we're kind of, all we're doing is taking one proven step, going one rung above that, and then proving that model. And now you have two solid steps. I can get them here and I can get them here, which is I can get them to say, how do I sell my house fast and get them to say, sell my house fast and then convert. So now we have two working steps in the funnel. Uh, Before we were testing three steps at once rather than having two working steps. So it just kind of made sense to us to start from a position of knowing and repeating and even a scalable position from that. All I have to do is just throw more ad spend to that one keyword and it would just start to work more and more. Starting from that position of known, A, provides you instant results, but B, puts you in a very good position to say, I can already convert them, but now how do I attract more people to get to that step where they're ready to convert? Because we already know that that conversion area will work. I feel like kind of my next question just on that is, you know, other than being a Google ads expert, (laughs) what makes Google the perfect place to begin this top-down funnel? 
a thought leader I really like. His name is Scott Galloway, and I'm going to steal one of Scott's lines. Scott starts out his talk saying Google is God. And it's kind of a blasphemous thing to say, you know, but I think he does it partly because it's jarring and then partly because it's it's kind of true in that 20,000 years ago, the entity to whom we posed all of our questions was a deity. You flash forward to today, the entity to whom we pose all of our questions is Google, which that's an amazing thing to sit and think about. Like people put Google on in, you know, they, they, they think of like Google and Facebook are on par from traffic, but they're not really. Facebook knows what you tell it. Google knows what you ask it. That's a massive difference. And then where Google lives, you know, I mean, Google knows if you speed, you started at point A, you got to point B, and I happen to know how much distance is between those two points, and I'm in your pocket because I'm Google. They know who you text, they read all of your emails, they know who you call, they know who calls you, they know if you lie. There's a case study that I really like to use in some of our presentations. Google was able to tell a woman she was pregnant before she was, Mm. based off of demographic and psychographic profile information. So, and this was in 2015, the article was April 20th, 2015. That's five years ago. And if you think about the exponential scale of machine learning and how far they've gone, Google has far more information on us than any known entity. And they're making that information available to marketers. Now, is that a little scary? Absolutely. (laughs) But I think that's a different conversation. I think right now what we can do is we can illustrate definitively on many cases how Google can actually predict intent. And that's huge. As a matter of fact, John, if you don't mind, talk a little bit about smart shopping because Google is pushing products in front of people who are purchasing those products and it's doing so without them even searching for those products yet. Google knows what you want to buy before you buy it, which is another example of why you want to use this as a tool. You know, I'm not telling you that Google is the only thing that you should be using, but what I am saying is it should probably be the first thing because it, it, it's the, the very first finger to the pulse. And then you get to use all that information to influence everything else that you're doing. Your website copy, your ad copy, your email, your sales narrative, your client onboarding. I mean, just about any marketing decision you're making should be put through the filter of, well, what works when you're at the bottom of the funnel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, like what Cosmo said about smart shopping, Google claims that there's 70 million signals taken into consideration before a smart shopping ad, which is much different than the standard shopping. Smart shopping is heavily outbound as well. Standard shopping is I type in, you know, red shoe and I see a picture of red shoe on the shopping network and I can buy the red shoe. Smart shopping is you're looking at, you know, best dress to wear with high heels. And now I'm looking at dresses and high heels first signal to Google, quote unquote, that I'm now interested in maybe purchasing a dress and maybe purchasing a shoe. And if I start to look at a shoe or go on a forum that's about a shoe, or I went to YouTube and looked at a review about this, you know, four inch high heel shoe with whatever it may be. I'm not really, I'm, I don't know shoes very well. My wife, my wife buys my shoes. Um, <laughs> but all of those signals, Google says, okay, they're in this area of their purchase decision. People who usually buy shoes take between one and seven days. So if they're in this area, show them a lifestyle ad from this one particular product that matches up with the most search query of, or relative to the website. So they've been on and put that in front of them on the YouTube network because this is where they're at now. And then it it starts to create this algorithm that says, okay, the next they're going to probably go to Google. So show a shopping ad and a search ad. And if they click on it, they go to the website, show them a GSP ad, a Gmail sponsor promotion in their inbox to remind them. And then if they visit another website, put a display ad, they're saying, come back and buy. Like all of these things are, they're taken into consideration the individual person and what their habits are. And then saying, okay, now apply this to the masses. And then does that funnel kind of quote unquote make sense? Yes, it does. Then smart shopping says, if you have a red shoe, don't worry about it. I know exactly who the people who are interested in a red shoe right now, and I'm going to go and sell it. 
And that's kind of where that core offer of mm. getting first to buy a red shoe comes in. Now you just have to work backwards. Okay, well, what got him interested in the red shoe? You can have a lead man that says best outfits of 2020. Now you're matching up the dress with the shoes, you know, that kind of stuff. So while Facebook will tell you this person is a teacher at a middle school, Google will say this is a teacher at a middle school that three days ago is now looking for a new cell phone case and she likes purple and it has to have a ring on the back. You know, that's the kind of depth that Google will know. Now, it will show you the number. Like, this is this is a user 12345. You don't know who it is. But it says, trust us. We know this person's here. Just give us your product. We'll put the ad in front of them. So it knows so much about the people based on their actions, not necessarily their demographic. So that intent becomes so much more powerful than just who they are and what they are. It's actually Google saying, here's what they're doing now and what they're going to do soon. So I think that that's just a, a very powerful network to start to build your funnel. Mm. And I take it that all of this is kind of AI, whereas on Facebook, when a lot of the times you're deciding if they do this, then put this in front of them, whereas on Google, it's kind of they're picking and choosing the best routes to take. Yeah. And you can run them concurrently, which is really cool. So we've set up funnels inside of Google ads, just on the search network, for example, one of my keywords in one of my campaign could be, I'll use an example that we have in our kind of pitch deck, just because it's, it's pulled up on the screen here in front of me. So I'll kind of read it off, mm-hmm. but you can have three campaigns in Google. Let's just say just on the search network. So people typing in keywords on, on Google search, you can have a top of the funnel campaign, middle of the funnel campaign and bottom of the funnel campaign. Top of funnel campaign is going to be Keywords like, does missing a mortgage payment hurt your credit or divorce attorney St. Louis, for example, that's top of the funnel. Now this is again applied to the people who are buying distressed properties. So that'd be my top of the funnel. Middle of the funnel could be, is this a seller's market and what is my house worth? That's the middle of the funnel type of keywords in those campaigns. The bottom of the funnel is how to sell my house fast and sell my house fast. Now what's nice about Google is I have now a top of the funnel, middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel based on intent. And you can give them landing pages to take advantage of based on where they're at in the funnel, because where they're naturally searching these keywords are just simply going to fall into the campaign that's that they're they're in because they're searching those keywords. And you can start to test lead magnets in your top of the funnel. You can test your tripwires in your middle of the funnel. You can test your core offers in the bottom of the funnel all concurrently every single day in real time. And what you'll find is that if you want to segment it by landing page or by ad group or by offer, whatever it may be, you can in real time use just Google to build that funnel to say when people are searching this is what they most often take the next steps. And then you can go into an email marketing campaign or go to follow sequence, whatever it may be. Or you can use the middle of the funnel to remarket to the top of the funnel traffic in Google. Same with remarketing the middle of the funnel traffic to the bottom of the funnel in Google. It's the same thing. What's nice about this too is this can also be then replicated on Facebook. It can be replicated on Instagram. It can be replicated on LinkedIn if you're you know, doing lead generation and you know a specific avatar. You can use what you've learned in Google and what people are actually kind of coming to you and doing rather than possibly taking that ad spend and pushing it out on Facebook and then hoping that it happens. So using intent through Google and using what people are naturally going to do is I kind of draw an image of my mind of like there's traffic moving above our head and we're simply just kind of taking a fishing net and just kind of holding it up and seeing where they go. It's just a really, really good way of saying, I like to test these three lead magnets, these two tripwires, and these you know, two core offers, depending on what you want to do, and then just turn it on. And Google will tell you what they searched, what they landed on, what they converted on, how much, and how much it all costs, too. So you're going to start to develop that cost per conversion.
Hey, DM listeners, I've been running my own business since I was 17, and I found that nothing slows down entrepreneurs more than this one pesky question, and that's what do I do next? And left unanswered, you find yourself stuck far below your potential, jumping from one shiny object to the next, perpetually wondering why other businesses are growing and yours is stuck. So that's why Scalable has put together the seven levels of scale framework. We'll give you the shortest path possible to go from a struggling startup to a high profit, high impact, exitable business that'll give you the wealth and freedom you deserve. So stop wondering what to do next and take our free three-minute assessment today at getscalable.com slash DM. That's getscalable.com slash DM. And you can download a free guide to show you what level of scale you're currently at and how you can scale quickly and profitably to the next. Hi, DM listeners. You have a LinkedIn profile, right? But are you actually using it to generate new business? Survey says probably not. I'm Mandy McEwen, your digital marketer podcast co-host, Mod Girl Marketing Founder, and LinkedIn Nerd. Now, if you're like most professionals, you aren't exactly sure how to use LinkedIn to get results. And that's where I come in. I've trained thousands of professionals and enterprise teams on how to maximize LinkedIn. And I've narrowed down the key steps that lead to real results on LinkedIn and put them in a quick checklist that takes less than 30 minutes a day to complete. You can go to modgirl.info slash DM to start using it. Again, that's modgirl.info slash DM. I guess... My question from here is when you just starting at that first step upside down, that very bottom of the funnel that sell my house fast, Mm -hmm. what are you doing to make sure that it's perfect before you move to the next step? What numbers are you looking for? At the bottom of the funnel, what you really want to know is your KPI. This is something that we work with our clients to create. And it's something that has to fall into that acceptable amount of you know, ad spend or acceptable conversion rate or acceptable cost per conversion, whatever it may be. Even if it's e-commerce, maybe a ROAS, a return on ad spend. I know that I have 25% profit margin, so I need to have 400% return on ad spend in order to break even. So it needs to be higher than that. Whatever those numbers may be, it needs to fit within your model and in your industry. You might have Clients that you make a thousand dollars off of for a close acquisition, or you might make you know fifty dollars. Those numbers are very wide ranging, but I think that where those wide ranging numbers help us in Google Ads is you can start at the bottom of the funnel and see how big it can get because it's people going to Google typing in things, and that only happens like a billion times a day. So there's going to be people there. So if your cost per acquisition needs to be below twenty dollars or thirty dollars, you may find out that the bottom of the funnel strategy, the first step of that strategy by converting that bottom of the funnel traffic might be where where you stop on Google. And then you can continue on to the middle of the funnel, top funnel, maybe on less expensive networks like Facebook or Instagram. But I think it really applies to if you can acquire a new customer or a new client and they're falling within that KPI of you know $100 per lead is the maximum you can go. And you're able to achieve a $25, $25 cost per lead on the bottom of the funnel. You have kind of that money left over to then say, where else in the funnel can I apply that additional ad spend or additional you know, leftover costs to try to maybe acquire them a little bit cheaper? Bottom of the funnel keywords in Google tend to be very expensive. Middle of the funnel type of questionable keywords tend to be less expensive. So moving up the funnel, you can start to go after more broad terms, pay a little bit less money and possibly acquire more leads even for cheaper. And I have kind of a compounding funnel that middle of the funnel is generating quality leads, not as quality as the bottom of the funnel, but they're less expensive and say it so on and so forth. So really knowing your numbers, really knowing what KPIs need to be met and testing that and then giving it some time to be repeatable. Like if I can every single day with a $100 ad spend, I can develop one good client a day. 
perfect. You know, make sure that that's something that will repeat itself for a few weeks or maybe even a few months. And then before we move on to the next step. Hmm. The really great thing about this is not only is this good because when you're doing like financial modeling, you kind of have to work backwards. You have to start with what you need to make to have a customer. Mm -hmm. But also because when you're kind of just starting or just launching, working backwards is the thing you need to do anyway. You need to prove that people want to buy what you're selling, right? <laughs> so it seems right. like it's, it's kind of like a super no-brainer to do this. When you are moving from that bottom, let's move right on up to that tripwire, what does the testing look like? How many different variations of tripwires do you test before you decide like this is going to be it? Or do you keep going with as many as possible because you want to keep funneling people into the bottom? What works? <laughs> Short answer is yes. <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is we find that the funnel development inside of Google Ads works best when a client has some sort of you know, post lead generation tool that can match it, a CRM tool, HubSpot, Entreport, you know, some of the a CRM tool that can tell us post lead generation information mm. is really going to help, you know, kind of influence any sort of modifications you need to make to the funnel. And for example, if you find that this one person Googled a certain keyword and then took advantage of this lead magnet and then saw a remarketing ad and took advantage of the core offer and you have 25 of those leads and the closing rate of lead to sale is 50% compared to a different funnel that this trip wired to this core offer. And after 25 of those was 75%. You can kind of then say, okay, I can simply just shut off one ad group with that specific trip wire, that specific lead magnet and say, let's just, let's stop those and refunnel and redirect the ad spend to what we know develops a better lead or better sale overall. And that could be lifetime value, initial net value. It could be, you know, size of the client, whatever it may be. But analyzing post-conversion is just as important as the conversion itself, because you can have phantom conversions. And again, just mm -hmm. using the same uh, example for continuity that's semi house fast, we found that there's two type of people that will type in to Google two different types of key phrases that are very similar on its face. Sell my house fast, sell my home fast. They have about equal traffic. They convert at about equal rate. But the people that type in sell my house fast most often tend to actually sell their house than the people that type in sell my home fast. And this is just using a, a small test based on just keyword. But selling my house fast, the, you know, the psychology behind that word of house is I'm not attached to that property emotionally or invested in it. It's just a piece of property I'm looking to get rid of quickly. Mm -hmm. Selling my home fast, now it's my home. I'm more emotionally attached. I need more money for it. I don't want to let it go. And maybe I'll think about it and they convert much less. So if you were even to take a lead magnet to say how to sell my house fast or how to sell my home fast and even segment those two apart, I would be sure that you would probably find that people that download one lead magnet or the other is going to have different closing rates post point of lead generation. And that's just kind of one small test. But at the end of the day, it's all about the people who are either paying money or becoming a client or whatever it may be. The customer value journey through that, through that path and what they're saying and what they're converting on tends to lead to what type of conversion or what type of lead or what type of sale, whatever it may be, can be modified by just A-B testing those offers, even just testing the language. You can have a completely different person since it's inbound. Just tweaking the language a little bit, either by keyword or by offer, 
you'll find you'll generate two way different type of leads. And that all can be done concurrently at the same time in, in, inside of you know, the Google ecosystem. Hmm. So then it, you're kind of getting your avatars defined as you continue to test. Uh, what number would you stop defining them or putting them into buckets? That's a good question. I don't think that we ever really stop. I mean, we have some lower maintenance campaigns that just produce such good results that we don't really need to tweak and modify it. But that also has to do with with client. I think client's ability to close is also as as important as ours to develop a quality lead. But sometimes you'll find that you'll hit a point where you just won't be able to modify it anymore and get any better results. You'll actually start to deteriorate. And one example of that is being able to develop new ad copy, for example, just to get you know a better click the rate to go to a landing page or better landing page content to get them to convert much you know better or worse. And we use normally kind of a 100 point system, which means after you know 100 impressions, how many clicks? After 100 clicks, how many conversions? After 100 conversions, how many good sales versus bad sales or bad leads or whatever it may be? So you can really you know setting a 100 point system is a good baseline. And I say 100 points because it doesn't really equate to 100 click. That would be made different than 100 impression because that may happen in the first 10 minutes of the campaign. But analyzing things as 100 points gives you a good percentage. Mm. After 100 clicks, we got seven leads. After 100 clicks, we got nine leads. Okay, that's 9% conversion versus 7%. It's like yeah. the metric system. For- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, <laughs> I've been ousted. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, just using a hundred point system is usually a good general rule of thumb to start. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you have to look at the quality of the conversion or the cart value, I guess, of the e-commerce to really gauge. You know, you know, is there KPIs that simply don't show really good results until they actually become a sale? Uh, for example, Smart Shopping has some of the worst click the rates you'll ever see because they will have to impress one hundred forty thousand people to make three sales. But the cost per click is 10 cents. So who cares? Because there's only 100 clicks. So the click the rate's terrible, but the sales are great. And the return on is awesome. So really just looking at what is that key. And it kind of goes back to that know your goal. If you're generating you know, good cost per lead and a good sales per how many leads you get, everything else is kind of secondary. There's ways to optimize it. But knowing those numbers and knowing I need to be in this type of box with this shape and size to make this work, start there. Because if you can make it in the bottom of the funnel, everything else is just cream on top, really. Hmm. So moving up the funnel to the wider end where you're getting more people involved, what does that look like after you have your tripwire? What are you using next? I think this is probably a good point in the funnel to start testing outbound campaigns. Things like display, GSP, which stands for Gmail Sponsored Promotions, which is just you know email marketing to a person's Gmail inbox using Google. You don't even need to have them on a list. It automatically targets them for you. YouTube, GSP, and Display. So those three would be great top of the funnel, partly because they're wide reaching. They start targeting initial interests and intent first, and they're very inexpensive. Our average cost per view on YouTube is about two to three pennies per view. And if they don't skip the ad and they watch, you know, a good 30, 40, 50% of it costs us about two to three pennies. Those are really great to use for pixel content to get a person interested. So YouTube ads, you know, very inexpensive, display, very inexpensive, GSP, very inexpensive, but you can start with very broad keywords um, in your targeting. And you can actually target keywords on those channels. Keyword targeting, for example, on display, if I type in, you know, real estate agent, and I'm looking to for a person who's looking to sell their home quickly. 
by typing in real estate agent, I'm assuming, okay, they have some sort of need to sell their house. And so I would probably put a video ad by saying, you know, before you contact a real estate agent or before you, you know, head down the road of, of listing your house with an agent, you know, what if there was a faster, easier way? And then just lead them to a pixel content page. That could be the top of the funnel type of audience in Google. Google traditionally was Google AdWords. It was, you know, bidding on keywords. It's not like that anymore. Google is just as outbound as inbound. It actually has more outbound campaigns than inbound campaigns. And so using Google out from an outbound campaign, which means kind of pushing that out into the ecosystem and targeting proactively for very inexpensive and a very high quality network, I would say that more media driven top of the funnel because I can I don't have to pay $10 a click to see if they were interested or $5 a click to, to see if they had the intent. I can pay three pennies to see where they want to move into the next step. So moving up the funnel in the, in the awareness slash interest stage, using those type of outbound media, and then you know testing different messages, testing different landing pages, and then obviously the steps after that, the um, lead magnet and the tripwire after that, will all just kind of you know fall back into the normal funnel development for for that customer value journey model. Now, when you're adding these additional steps, do you find that like cost you know, per acquisition is decreasing, cost per conversion is decreasing, or do you feel like sometimes there's no point to adding these extra steps because the people who want to buy are the ones typing in sell my house fast? Right. What's interesting is using the bottom up funnel inside of Google, you can set Google to build sort of how Facebook and Instagram have custom audiences. You can build audiences inside of Google, just like how you would in Facebook and Instagram, and then build lookalike audiences or call similar audiences inside of Google. But using the audience manager inside of Google ads and then setting up your next set of funnels based on those users, you can find that you know you can have a very low cost per acquisition, maybe let's say $5 to a per lead magnet download at the top of the funnel, and then remarketing to them through the middle of the funnel and even the bottom of the funnel to those interested users, you might have, you know, two to three steps for $5 each and equal $15 cost per lead, but still be in that overall goal of a KPI. Where the bottom of the funnel is you get the people searching. The middle of the funnel, you can have obviously people searching that you have to make an additional step to get them in the bottom of the funnel. Top of the funnel, you're gonna have the people that are that are not necessarily searching, but were interrupted with something in their whatever channel they're on. And then when they take that step, now they're just in the middle of the funnel and they're just moving down from there. So as long as your KPIs add up to the bottom from the top, you should have a similar cost per acquisition regardless of where they started in that funnel because it's $10 a click or $5 a conversion or one penny per view. It should about add up to be the same just because they won't necessarily have to go through all those steps. What we usually mm-hmm. do find though is you'll have a less, I wouldn't say quality, I would say urgent, less urgent lead at the top, just like how you would normally do a funnel development. No one reads a blog and says, yes, I'm ready to buy today. You know, I mean, that does happen, but it's not mm-hmm. the normal as people saying like, I'm ready to buy today and typing that into Google. Yeah. But you will find that you can have cheaper goals, cheaper cost per conversions and, and lower, lower goals as, as the higher up you get into the funnel. But at that point, what that usually means is you maxed out the bottom of the funnel, you maxed out the middle of the funnel, and now you're just trying to find anybody else to put into that funnel. Hmm. Okay. So it's more about what's going on in your pipeline sometimes than about the cost in general. Yeah. You can max out search pretty quickly. There's something called search impression share and click share. Now there's way more than that, but 
just use general sense, search impression share usually means that you're on the first page of Google in your ad. If you're saying, how many people am I pressing on the search network? Divided by how You're pressing so many people. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's funny when you look at search impression share, sometimes we'll find that our top performing keyword, if we put $1,000 a day to that keyword, we're at you know 99% search pressure and you know, 94% click share. Like we're just maxed out. We can give this a million dollars a day. Doesn't mean anybody else is going to search. You're just you maxed out. You're everybody searching that day. Saw you at the top. Congratulations. But how do you get more? How do you get more people to to get into that mode? And that's kind of where that bottom up funnel starts to play a bigger role. Is I'm already in front of every single person I possibly could be. Now how do I get more people to get into that position to see me? How do I impress more people to get to the bottom of the funnel to type the keyword I want so that I'm at the top? And that's kind of where that middle of the funnel then starts to kick in. Some more of the outbound campaigns start to kick in. And that's kind of the whole reason for the bottom of the funnel is let's just max out all the conversions we can now. And then how do we pump out content? Like if there's no more people that say sell my house fast. No, not one more person wants to sell their house quickly. If I ask them, well, how much do you think your house is worth? I'm not sure. Did you know it could be worth a lot more? That's actually pretty interesting. I didn't know about that. If I can get you more than what you think, would you sell your house quickly? Yeah. Now you're you're educating them into getting into that mode of the keyword that you know that the, when they search, they're going to convert. And so it's all about kind of influencing that that customer value journey and finding out what is going to be the correct path for obviously the advertiser, but also what has most commonality with the searcher or the the user. Yeah. Awesome. When it comes to the the visionary part of this, what is kind of happening once people are maxed out? Is this like time for new, new offers, new campaigns, you know, got to get with the client and make sure they're coming up with something new and different. Sure. What do you think? I actually think it's a gift to be honest with you. I mean, imagine an ecosystem that can tell you, Hey, this is how much market exists. Very rarely we offered that type of view as entrepreneurs. So I think the bottom-up funnel gives us a few opportunities for expansion that John already went over. But let's assume that that expansion is is tapped out. I think the other thing that it can do is is help you figure out what your lateral moves are. One of my favorite examples of all time, we were dealing with a dental office. They open dental franchises nationwide. And I think it takes, it was like a half million or a million dollars to build a dental office, John. Do you remember what the data point was? Yeah, I think it was at least... I think it was a million. If I remember correctly, it was like a solid million. Yeah, it sounds right. So it's a million bucks to build a dental office just between lease, build out, equipment, you know, et cetera, and a massive amount of time. And they go into these relatively blind. They go and they pick a corner. So you just find a a street corner in whatever (laughs) new city you're entering. And you're like, all right, well, that one looks good. And you roll the dice and you spend a million dollars. And then you cross your fingers and you hope that this is going to be a winner. And our recommendation to them was, why don't you run 10 grand worth of ads? And see, you know, let's go pick five, six, seven, eight different geographic regions and determine what's going to work the best based off of, you know, the the specific practice areas you want to go into. So you've got, you know, periodontists or whatever you're looking for all on four, you're looking for gum disease. Well, this is a younger demographic or younger area that's not necessarily going to have that. Let's go over here. So I I think that people can be a little short sighted when they don't realize what data is available to them. So even when you've maxed out an area, you can actually use this same paradigm to go find what your next lateral move might be. Um, and sometimes with Google, you're not even paying for leads, you're paying for information. You want to know what's going to work, where it's going to work, how quickly it's going to work. And the last thing I'll say on that is it's so critically important to stay tightly aligned with your sales team. 
we like as marketers, we like to just look at the data and just assume like, oh, you know, I put in something on the top and it came out the bottom and, and you know, the ratio is X. And so we're going to move forward. But if your sales team isn't giving you context and information as to what people are saying, what they did right before they converted, that's a goldmine. And that's something John's really good at, actually. Anytime we're working with clients that are running Google Ads for, it's not just a, you know, here's your, your report, good day. It's we need to know what the objections are, what the problems are. Why didn't they buy? You know, why wouldn't somebody convert? Because that's the type of thing that you can actually make adjustments for and help with expansion, you know, amplification of the value of a campaign. Hmm. Yeah, that's huge. We're kind of getting to the end of the hour. And before I ask the final, final question, I kind of want to go into just bubble up back to the very tippity top. Is there anything else there? Like, you know, it's, it's content, it's social, it's, it's all that stuff. What, what else should people know about these things? Is this, is this their YouTube channel? Is that what they're doing? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So the higher up the funnel you go, the more content you need to create, the more media you need to be creating more written, more custom imagery. It's easy to, at the bottom of the funnel to say, you're looking for me. Here's me. I mean, that's, that's kind of the bottom of the funnel. When you're in the awareness and interest and consideration and getting even closer to the intent down further down you go, the more content that you'll need to create. And I think the, the beautiful part of this funnel is that with very little content, you can start at the bottom and be very, very profitable, very lucrative because you're just simply putting yourself in front of, I always ask a question on, on sales calls. I don't mean to, to kind of be off course, but I was saying, if you are a dentist and there's someone one mile away from you saying, best dentist near me, would you pay $5 to say, here I am? I mean, usually the average obvious answer is, yep, of course I would. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't need content for that. You simply just need to be there. But the higher up the funnel you go, the more you need to sell yourself or your business, your service, your product, whatever it is. And so when you're starting at the bottom, you're usually making money and you're making good return on aspender, you're developing good leads. And then you reinvest that into, you know, taking digital marketer courses to figure out how to create content and develop custom imagery and, and email content and, and all the other stuff. So it's almost like a jump start to what you need to do to make yourself profitable and, and, and put yourself in business right away. That's where you start. That's how, that's how you can get that jump start. And I think that where I failed in funnel development is I just didn't know where to start. And I was, we we're spending a lot of money in creating the content or we're having the client spend a lot of money in creating the content. And it's like, is this going to be good? I'm like, yeah, I think so. When we start with the bottom up, we can start with, okay, we know this works. What other content around why it works can we create? And so that's just something that you'll need to have is, you know, get a good social presence, get a good YouTube presence, start taking pictures of every opportunity you can for email content, for product imagery, whatever it may be. But once you fix the bottom of the funnel, or once you've started and are are successful at the bottom of the funnel, especially if you can use Google ads to do that, you'll know why something sells. You know, you'll see what people are, are searching for when they buy. If someone's having in best, local, top, you know, top review, top rated, all of those little kind of ancillary things like, well, top review, I need to start start creating reviews because my best performing keyword is best or most reviewed dentist near me, whatever it is. And that's important to people because they want to know this guy's not going to, or this girl's not going to mess up my teeth because someone else could warn me. <laughs> um, so <laughs> those, those kind of keywords, it kind of tells you, aha, maybe I need to create more reviews and now let's just start doing some outbound advertising of the best review dentist because we know when people search for that, they convert. So why don't I just start telling people that because I know that's what they're going to search for next. Mm-hmm. So those type of things is is starting at the bottom up is easy to start. It's easy to become profitable. Then that will tell you what you need to create as you go up the funnel. Hmm. Okay. 
Can I add to that? Please, yeah. One thing that I think John hit on that I just want to maybe press home is possibly the take home message. When you're reversing the funnel, you're not looking at your data in a vacuum. So, so many marketers come out and say like, you know, hey, what, what's our highest performing lead magnet? Let's just say we're testing lead magnets right now. And I've got these five different lead magnets and I found out one is just crushing it. I'm getting way more emails at it. And we're going to go and follow this lead magnet and we're just going to chase that rabbit down the hole. The issue with that is you don't necessarily know that that's the highest monetizing asset that you have. The five lead magnets you, you tested, one of them might produce more revenue. Sure, the one that you think is winning is producing more leads, but that's looking at it in a vacuum. When you work bottom up, you're testing in a way that allows you to see what's actually producing the most revenue. So because I know where my purchases are, when I back out and look at the conversion path that John referenced, I get to see like, wow, this lead magnet might produce more emails, but I don't want emails. I want money. And so I'm going to go with the conversion path that actually produced the most, the most conversions. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. That makes and, a lot of sense for sure. Buying just for like products, for example, some attributes of a product will be what's really important. There's a company that we're working with that has an outdoor Bluetooth speaker and indoor outdoor for that waterproof Bluetooth speaker was very important. The fact that it can be used indoor and outdoor. Now, I wouldn't know that if I just have a Bluetooth speaker that is waterproof that I would think, wow, it's waterproof and it's Bluetooth speaker. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on that. Most of the people, when they purchase were typing indoor slash outdoor Bluetooth speaker, they didn't care if it was waterproof. They want something indoor and outdoor. So mm. that, man, I mean, like that just opened my eyes to saying, now, if I was to just build a funnel based on how this is waterproof, I would maybe have started way at the wrong area, but someone's right. like, oh, even this indoor and outdoor, I didn't know that. And now on the landing page is indoor, outdoor video contents, indoor, outdoor, you know, that's going to be something that we're going to be able to, to kind of monetize now more and say, this is what's actually people are interested in when they actually click the buy now and check out button, start to build content about how it can be used indoor and outdoor and work your way up and start to capture audience that way. So that's just one really prime example of something that caught me off guard that was saying, wow, like when we show up number one for indoor, outdoor in the search and the shopping network, it's something that hasn't been tried before. But since we kind of started broad at the bottom of the funnel of, hey, this is a Bluetooth waterproof speaker. We found all the ways that people were searching for it, finding it and converting it. And we found that our target would have been way off if I started at the top and just kind of hoped that I was right. And by saying totally. it's Bluetooth and waterproof or Bluetooth and waterproof is, is the is the main sell point, which it wasn't. Yeah, I can totally see how. How the, the people searching that like they're not educated on speakers they're using it's patio language it's a patio speaker that could get wet even if it's waterproof what they need is like indoor outdoor lighting indoor outdoor pillow like that's just the language that they use and how they that is how they decided to search and that's kind of what they decided to call the speaker that's such a huge point they they know what they want we just want them to tell us what they want Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a very simple paradigm that for some reason, I think we overanalyze and overthink, well, we just get them to think this way and then take advantage of this way and then, then switch them over to this. I mean, just listening to your customers tell you what they want and just abiding by that is, is the path to very quick success. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My boyfriend recently was to ask me if you didn't know what flossing, you know, the dance flossing, yeah. if you didn't know what that was called, what, how would you describe it? What would you call it? And he's like, we're going to write it at the same time or whatever. And I think we both said like the wiggly arm dance. I and I feel like that's like the perfect example. Like 
when people are searching wiggly arm dance, <laughs> they want to, they want to see flossing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do a quick search while we're on this podcast and say wiggly <laughs> dance into Google. And the first result is Fortnite dance, which is the flossing. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and there you go. See, yeah. we would have been, we would have been developing funnels around flossing, but we should have been developing funnels around wiggle arm dance because that's, right. that's what people <laughs> do. Yeah. We're calling it. Great. Well, this was so awesome. You guys, before I ask you the very last question that we ask of all first time guests, I want to know where people can find out where you're at, find out more about you all your company stuff, website, all those kinds of things. Where can people reach you? It's easy to remember. It's sol8.com, sol8.com. John and I are both on LinkedIn. Hit up the website. We offer free action plans. So if you want us to look at what you have going on, we're happy to do that. Perfect. That was easy. Okay. Well, this is the last question I ask of every guest every time it's their first time. If you could go back in time and tell the young you, the person who started this journey, the person who didn't even know what a funnel was, right? Or was just learning. If you could go back in time and tell that person anything at all with what you know now, what would you say? I would tell myself, and it's something I tell myself every day. So I know this is what I would tell myself. You're not smarter than the market. And I I really take take that true to heart because I have to represent and be profitable for our clients. And so when I say you're not smarter than the market, the market is going to dictate what it wants to do. It's our job to listen. And that came true a few times as we've actually had clients because of our Google ads campaign switch their core offer to something else and been much more profitable because what people were searching for didn't want what they were selling, but they kept asking them, oh, do you do this though? Okay, that's really what I'm looking for. And Mm -hmm. so being a marketer and being even in business, you're never going to be smarter than the market because the market doesn't care. It's going to do what it wants to do. It's people are always going to look for something. They're always going to buy something. They're always going to hire something or hire someone. And you're not going to influence the market unless you are, uh, you know, a Fortune 100 company or you just have a ton of money in ad spend. But if you want to be, you want to be lucrative fast and be successful quickly, listen to the market because you're not going to outsmart it. That's that's what I tell myself. Is just simply follow what people are doing, uh, or where people are going to buy or what they're searching to buy. And that's something that I, I really take true to heart. That's something that I need to, that's my core principle in, in a marketer is just listening to the market. That's big. Kasim? Mine's really similar. Actually, I was, I was going to say, make sure you're listening. I, I get caught up and I think a lot of entrepreneurs get caught up with their vision as far as what they think they're going to do. Like, you know, this is my business and this is where I'm going. And, mm-hmm. and people will be coming out of you out of the woodwork saying, Oh, Hey, can you, you know, here's my money. Can you do this? And it's like, quiet, please. I'm trying to do the thing that I'm doing. And <laughs> you don't realize that you're just, you're just speeding past opportunities left, right, and center. Right. And if you just stop for a moment and just listen, like in, in to John's point, we're not smarter than the market. So let's make sure we're listening to the market because it will tell you exactly what it needs almost every single time. And sometimes it's, it's not what you want to hear, you know, like that's frustrating. And I have that with clients. We'll have clients that hire us. And when we get to the end of their proof of concept phase, you look at it and say, look, you're not priced well enough to compete in this ecosystem. And Mm. that's tough. But gosh, if you listen, like I just saved you maybe years of heartache and, and there's still ways and directions we can go, but you have to, you have to be humble enough to listen. Hmm. Those are great. Yeah. Well, John, Kasim, thank you so much for providing your insights, your expertise, being so smart. 
Everyone listening right now, thank you so much, as always, for a little bit of your day each week. It means a lot. Jonah, thanks for having us on. Really great to see you. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Yeah, y'all have an awesome, awesome weekend, and we'll see everyone same time, same place next week. Bye. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.